Hey, hey, everybody, welcome to A Power With Pops. That's right, another episode for all of you. Thank you so much for checking in. Today I have someone who um, I don't know too much about. I am going out of, outside, I started going outside of my comfort zone uh, with the podcast stuff because I've been doing stuff that I listened to a lot during the 90s. And then one day I came upon this video of this gentleman and I really enjoyed the style of music and the style of uh, song and dance. Uh, to me, it was uh, something that just for some reason just hit me as an artist. And so I, I kind of started bothering him and he was kind enough to finally join me today. I have Nick Vivid with me. What's up, Nick? Hey, how are you, man? Good to, good to be here. Good. I thank you. Thank you for coming to A Power With Pops. Like I said, this, you're... You are like the very first like non '90s punk emo band that I have like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm 48 years old and I've been doing this podcast for six years now. So okay, uh, I started out as a roadie for a band here in Gainesville back in the early '90s. Played in a bunch of bands, did all that kind of stuff. So, and it ended up turning into this. So. Uh, doing this, I decided to uh, bring in different styles and newer types of music because I noticed there's a lot of stuff out there that I've been coming across that I've really enjoyed, and uh, I wanted to get you on here and just learn a little bit about you and, see, and uh, go from there. So, uh, tell me the beginning. Like, where are you originally from? Where did you uh, grow up? Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh... My uh was raised in a music household. My dad uh, was a DJ. Awesome. Uh, before I was born, he was a DJ on a soul station oh, in Buffalo called WBLK. So he played nothing but like oldies, which I wasn't really that into. Uh, but when he, the soul stuff he played was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was big into that. And my mom, uh, I kind of got my mom into like glam rock. Uh, or less. So she like loved Bowie. Uh, she loved Queen. She was like really into like artists that were like weird and avant garde and different. Anything that was a little weird and different, she kind of liked. So I gravitated more towards that. Um, I was like really into Kiss when I was a little kid. Uh, uh, you know, just like seventy style hard rock. I was really, I was just kind of always into seventy stuff and eighty stuff. Um, and nineties too, uh, growing up in the, you know, alternative rock world of the nineties and two thousands. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just started playing music as soon as I can remember. I was always writing, uh, even before I played an instrument, I would just be writing. I'd write, my mom would make me go to church on Sundays and I'd sit in the pew and kind of like daydream looking through the songbook. (laughs) And I would like make up songs in my head to the in my head to the lyrics, right? Of like these, these gospel hymns, you know, because I had nothing to. I was so bored, and uh, right. so that's what that. But that was like training for writing, you know, because I actually be like writing a verse and awesome. a chorus and and like a hook, you know, and yeah. I'd have like a I'd have like a catchy hook, you know. There's like this song called "Go for Me" in the yeah. church hymnal, and it was, but I made it like <laughs> like this like. 
Um, Chicago, possibly. Los Angeles, probably not. Uh, but all my favorite, like 95% of my favorite bands all came from New York. Right. So uh, it was it was scary to do it, but I'm so glad I did it. So he and he gave me the encouragement to to do it, and if, if he believed in me more than I probably believed in myself at the time. So yeah. uh, because he said I should do it, I went and did it. So I came to New York, and then I put a band together out here, and then another band, and then another band, <laughs> and so on and so forth. Uh, and um, and that was all like rock stuff. I was just doing rock stuff for years. And then like around 2015, I had, uh, I had owned a recording studio okay. in the Lower East Side. And because uh, I was also recording bands. Because uh, I also just, you know, you mentioned you were a roadie. That brought me back because I used to roadie for bands. And oh, yeah. I'd like done, yeah, I worked in clubs. Oh, yeah. uh, I was doing sound, doing sound in clubs and stuff. And then I was like, well, I should open up my own recording studio. That's the next step, you know. Right. So uh, I did that, and I, it really wasn't. A, it was okay. It was it was an alright experience. I learned a lot from it, but I wouldn't do it again. It wasn't. It wasn't what I should be. You know, it's like you do something. I'm kind of like a Renaissance man. And there's so many things I enjoy doing, but I only enjoy recording like so much, and I only enjoy working on gear so much. Like I, I wouldn't want that to be my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so uh, I. Uh, the studio got flooded one day with like raw sewage backup, which was disgusting and horrible. <laughs> and uh, I I lost a bunch of gear, and uh, I was so stressed out from that that I was I was going to a guy's house to actually help him out fix a Marshall amplifier, and I like loaded a a tool bag with like all my parts and you know I was just like tons of tools and stuff and it was really way too heavy for me to carry and I just felt my whole like core something went like I could just feel something in my legs like a ripping sensation in my leg and basically what had happened was I ended up straining my entire core from like my knees all the way up to my chest so I couldn't yeah, I literally couldn't stand up without like having all this pressure on my chest muscles trying to support my weight. So I was stuck in bed for like three months at the beginning of 2015, and it kind of gave me a chance to kind of put my life in check and see yeah. what what am I doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to keep keep making music, yeah. Uh, but I'm I don't want to do another band. I don't want to do rock anymore. I've done everything I want to do with it, and and I, you know, sometimes like just because we do something for so long, we think that's what we have to keep doing. And it's like, I was in rock band after rock band after rock band. Right. And, and I, I was like, you know, all these hip hop guys are going out with backing tracks and it's totally legitimate. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love working by myself in the studio. I, and I love performing on stage. So what if I just, put something together that was a little more electronic and kind of allowed myself to broaden my horizons a bit and do something that was a little little bit different for me. What did so, you uh, I didn't What did you decide like when you decided to do that and go out on your own and, and try to uh, create your own your own thing, your own uh, personification of the idea that you had of yourself as an artist? Were you looking for something specific or did it just something just hit you and you just 
We're like, holy shit, that's it. Like, what was the... Are you talking about as far as the sound? Yeah, like the sound and, and the ideas and what, what you're doing. Like, what led you... Well, I just had to, like... I, I went to think about all the other things that I didn't allow myself to be influenced by. Right. Uh, over the years. You know, I was such a rock purist, and, I'm, I, and I was such a... I was, like, forcing myself to not listen to any music past 1978. I'm like, you know, like, yeah. I was putting myself in a box in order, order to be creatively, uh, I guess, in my mind, it was going to make me more legitimate if I didn't allow anything for the last 20 years to influence my songwriting. Right. So uh, I basically allowed myself to open the book on all the different things I, I had enjoyed over the years, you know, 80s synth wave and new wave and kraut rock and uh, 90s hip-hop and all these things that I really liked that I didn't think I... I didn't give myself any permission to be influenced by. Right. So I started kind of taking... I started kind of looking at all the little bits of all these things of sampling. You know, like sampling techniques have been around for ages, but I never allowed myself to use any in the studio before. Yep, yep. So for me, it was like all like brand new, like just checking out software checking out techniques. I spent like a year just researching like right. modern recording techniques, modern sampling techniques. What are people doing? Checking out new genres of music that like 80, like synthwave became a big thing in my life because it was such a throwback to like 80 stuff that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of uh, underground, uh, 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 I don't know, like new disco and, you know, which was kind of like the, the disco stuff. And, uh, uh, oh, I can't even think of it. Why am I blanking on the genre right now? <laughs> like lo-fi, you know, like lo-fi yeah, yeah. stuff. It's no, totally. like, oh, it's cool that people are putting out records that sound like they were made on cassettes, and it's totally legitimate now. Right. Like, yeah. here's the deal. Like, I was like, you could, like, these are rules. So many rules that you could, like, I was just seeing rules being broken that I hadn't yet allowed myself to break. Right. And, uh, and I, and during the, my sabbatical being stuck in bed, I said, why am I doing that to myself? Why am I, why am I not allowing myself to, to go these places? If, if I think that I artistically could be legitimately contributing in, you know, in this art form, because that's the other part of it. I can't be a poor man's version of something that's going on. Like, I have to really, like, make sure that this is me, that right. part of my true self can speak through this, you know, this type of uh, uh, genre or this art form or whatever. So yeah. uh, so I took some time with it and experimented and stuff, and I said, yeah, I really think I can I can find my voice in this. So, and and it's been really a joy, you know, the, the process of working in this, whatever genre I consider it now, I don't even know what it is because right. it is kind of a mix of all these things. Yeah. And that's what I like about it, you yeah. know? And, um, and, and I think in a weird way outside of the mainstream, which is always going to be a mainstream, but outside of that, I think anybody who's looking for something a little bit different is open to anything that's different, regardless of the genre. No, you're right. So, for sure. So, uh, so, you know, it, people, the open-minded people are more open-minded than they've ever been about new kinds of music. So yeah. um, that's kind of been kind of the, the inspiration for doing it. And, and 
the more people, you know, that like it, the more it encourages me to kind of push the envelope a little more and go, okay, where else can I go now, you know? So that's been, that's been really exciting too, you know, just finding my voice and, and finding different ways to express myself. So and uh, Has the five-year journey been... Um... I'm sure full of ups and downs, I would imagine, like things that would halt you at some time. And, and has it has it run as smoothly as you thought? Has it run like smoother than you thought it would? Like, I mean, like, all I wanted to do was the first place was put out the first record and then see if people liked it at all. And, and people were way, you know, that's the other thing with doing kind of like a classic rock thing is people are way less open-minded to that. Right. Uh, uh, so I was able to like kind of start over and build like a whole new audience, you know, because I think people, but also a big thing with my, my music is my lyrics. And I, I like having, uh, one of my favorite bands is the band from the seventies, a punk band called wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, their lyrics are just so great. And like, I think, uh, lyrical inspirations make me pop. Uh, and a couple other people are just some of my favorite lyricists where the lyrics, I have like a deeper hidden meaning and they're not so overtly obvious what they're about and, and there's a little bit of wordplay and there's some interesting stuff going on. And I was trying to do that in my rock music and I felt like the kind of people who were trying to listen to my music and enjoy it were feeling alienated by it because it wasn't party, 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 right. let's get drunk. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't, I didn't really want to, I never wanted to sing a party, party, party in my song, but right. just never been me, even though I was like the energy of rock. Right. Uh, but, uh, so I, I felt like I was like alienating both sides by doing it. Was like the rock people were into my stuff, and the people who I thought would get the message of my lyrics wouldn't give it the time of day because of the medium that was presented in. So, um, so I, I've actually been like, uh, I was really thrilled when the first album that was finally happening. People were listening to the lyrics. People were identifying with the lyrics, connecting with the lyrics, connecting with those, the music that the lyrics were, you know, uh, laid on top of, for lack of a better word or definition. Um, and uh, then I just, after that, I just like, okay, well, let's make the next record. And then with the second record, it was like, oh, well, let's make a music video. And then with the third record, it was, uh, which was blissed out, uh, it was like, oh, well, let's get, proper press, you know, press uh, people on board to properly market this thing. And uh, and so I hired a, a PR firm uh, for the last record, and that brand stood out even more. But even, like, the last record, um, I, did, I did my first live show ever uh, as a solo artist after the third record came out, because I finally had what I felt was, like, enough material for my three albums that they could have, to, to do live, right. uh, because I had a lot of moody pieces and things that I just didn't think would, would work in a live setting, but I felt like, oh, I finally have enough material to do a live show, so, um, and maybe it was my first show since I've done since, like, 2012, maybe, uh, and I did that last May, and that was a big deal, and wow. the place was relatively full, and uh, I, I, like, had people like fans who I didn't even know that had been following me for years. I had a guy, I had a guy who came up to me after the show and said, I flew up here from South America to see you play tonight. Oh, wow. That's cool. 
And I was like, from, you came from South America to see me? Like, I, I, I still can't wrap my head around that, yeah, you yeah. know? But the guy came to New York for a, a New York trip and planned it around my release party. That's crazy. And, um, and, and it was just so, like, mind-blowing that, like, wow, this stuff is so weird how, like, you can have an impact and have no idea. No, you know, right. because, you, you you know, you put out a record and it's on all the distribution platforms. But, like, I get my numbers, like, people are shazamming my stuff in Japan. They're shazamming my stuff in Germany. Right. I, 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 who, who the hell's playing it when it's getting shazam? What right. coffee shop in Germany is playing my stuff on right now? Right. It, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, and, and so I feel like uh, I've been... Uh, it, it's actually been more ups than downs in this whole thing. I think the only downs are like when I've created slumps. Yeah. But there, thankfully, I haven't been that many of those. Um, I started on a new record in, well, got off the road in November. I took off for the holidays, and I built a new recording studio. I, was, um, I wanted to get even more analog than I did on the last record. I put a full 24-channel recording console in mm-hmm. my living room. And uh, and I uh, started working on a new record, and then coronavirus hit, and so I was like, well, I'm going to take a little break, because the original plan was to put it out, have it out in August, go back on tour and do another two or three months around the state, because right. uh, we did last October, me and my girlfriend, we had an old classic 1981 Chevy uh, shorty van, nice. uh, <laughs> so, you know, decked out and put a little bed in the back and a little kitchen in there, and... We moved out of our apartment last uh, September, and we're like, okay, we're going to go live on the road for two months, and maybe we'll come back to New York, and maybe we won't. Yeah. And uh, and so we ended up coming back to New York, and my girl got a job. She works in the film industry, so she had a job offer waiting for her when we came back. So we got a new apartment, we moved in, and I built the studio. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my new album, and then the coronavirus yeah. <laughs> So. Which, uh, kind of on, you know? which uh, New York got, you all got nailed hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, so luckily the numbers have been going down, yeah. and there's more people wearing masks than not wearing masks yes. out here, which is good. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, but still, even in my neighborhood, you know, it's a, my neighborhood's weird. Uh, you know, I'm in Queens. Which okay. is, uh, uh, it's it's not too far from Manhattan, but just far enough where it's like we're we're like the last cool hit kind of we're like the next hipster town, I think. Yeah, like yeah. every every couple of years, it moves a little further out east. Yeah. Um, so like uh, originally Williamsburg, which is just uh, Brooklyn, which is on just on the other side of the East River from Manhattan. Yeah. Had all the cool old hip kids and hip shops and hipster whatever gentrification going on. Then it got too expensive to live there. Then everybody moved over one neighborhood to Bushwick. Then that got too expensive. Now everybody's moving into Queens, into Ridgewood, Queens, where I am. Eventually, this place will be too expensive to live in. Right now, it's okay. uh, Washington Heights. What's what's the the area in Queens? Uh, Jamaica, Queens? Is that right? Right. Is that an area? Yeah, there's Jamaica Queens out yeah, here, yeah. I have a, I have a, my ex-bandmate actually lives in New York City, and he lives in Brooklyn. He lives right on Grand, uh, Grand was it Grand Street or Grand Avenue? And uh, they live in like a third-story walk-up above a bar, 
and I go up there every few years and visit them. And he's a DJ, and him is him and his roommates are both all three of them are DJs, and they DJ. Okay. Around, they they all DJ around New York, and they uh, so uh, I love going to New York, and I miss him, and I, you know talking to you is like reminding me of New York, how much I love that city, and how much oh like, cool everybody's been affected. So you know like just been stuck at home you know like i live in a state where no one gives a shit <laughs> like florida right. you know like right you know where, where's florida i'm in i live in gainesville okay what is that on the east or the west side it's of the state? it's kind of dead in the center towards the north end side of the state okay okay i got it. oh yeah okay i have been to gainesville we yeah. we uh my girl uh is from st pete okay. so i grew up in sarasota we go, so okay okay yeah so like we 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 go down there a bit well on the last tour uh, we were in Gainesville when we first bought the van we actually crashed in a Walmart parking lot in Gainesville when we first bought our van because we bought our van in Texas we drove it to Florida then drove it back up north and then we had to replace the engine by the time we even got it back (laughs) that's a whole other story but um but yeah I, I uh, yeah I, I know that area uh, down there pretty well. We, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a blue city, but it's still it's it's super red around. So mm-hmm. you know, like you have a, you have the college bubble, but like that's they're not they're, there's not that many of those in Florida. So there's a lot of like very you know don't tell me what to do kind of attitude down here. So right, <laughs> even right. if it, even, right. even if it has to do with your health. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> even if it's in your best interest. Yeah. Even if it's going to save your family. Don't tell me what to do. But, uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, so we got that, so, we got that problem here, too. You yeah. know, it's just what you're going to do. It's you know? generational, I'm guessing, more than anything else. But uh, <laughs> It's weird. I see young kids who are just as ignorant. And, uh, yeah. you know, and I see, you know, it's like, I think the biggest defender is like yuppie families out here. Like, I see like a full yuppie family with like two little kids just walking down the street like nothing's going on. Yeah. Like, do you guys know <laughs> yeah. there's Corona, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, 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 so during this whole time, you've just been, have you been trying just to get some, some stuff down and trying to write more and more, uh, new tracks and coming up with new ideas? Yeah, basically, like, I went, like, I built a studio in, like, I'd say January. I was, like, rebuilding the recording console because I do a lot of electronic work, and I was, like, to mod my gear and make it sound the way I want and right. do different things to it. So, um, so I, uh, I refurbished my recording console, and I got all, like, super excited about the record, and... Um, I had like, uh, I probably demoed like 60, 70 ideas, which is kind of what I like to do for a record. I like to look for like, I'll just try different things until I have like 60 or 70 things, and then some of those, I'll see if there's things I really think I can really right. turn into songs. Uh, and I felt like I had like nine or 10 things that I thought were really good for the record. And then, uh, so I kind of had the basis of the album started, like kind of sort of roughly fleshed out before the, the virus hit. Um, so I've just been kind of like taking my time now, like, like last week when we were going to do our interview, I had like a particularly bad day in the studio where I was about to cut a vocal check and I realized I hated the verse. I hated the music for the verse when I saw I hated the lyrics. 
I was so upset, you know, because <laughs> I was like, I was so ready to start tracking all my vocals for this record, and I was like, oh, you know what, this is, this isn't gonna work. Right. And, um, and if it was the kind of thing where it was like, okay, well, we gotta get back out on the road, you know, my mindset may have been a little different about all of it, you know, but right now it's like, well, what's the point in doing something that isn't, isn't something I love? Right. You know, so, um, so I'm kind of just allowing myself to be inspired right now. Uh, and yeah, I work on the record, you know, all the time, but I also do other creative projects, you know, like, cause I, if, if I was just working on music for the last four months, I would be burned out on it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I try to make sure I don't get fatigued, uh, <laughs> working on music or even listening to music. Yeah. I try sometimes to get little breaks from it though, but when I hear music, it's, really new and fresh for me again yeah so uh you know but i like working on like electronics so i'll do electronic things i like working on old vintage computers i'm like into like old vintage computers and stuff nice. so, and i watch like watch like a lot of like uh repair videos right. so like i watch like i watch this guy called the guitarologist uh-huh. and he basically like for like the last five years has been like posting videos of him repairing Marshall amplifiers and repairing, you know, restoring and refurbishing old 50s vintage amplifiers. Yep. I'll just sit there and zen out for like three hours and watch this guy fix things. <laughs> so uh, so that's kind stuff. of fun. No, it's amazing stuff. I wish I wish I would have like learned that kind of like that kind of electronics of the, the that vintage stuff. I would have that would have been an awesome trait like trade to have you know like because there aren't a lot of people around that can actually work on those things and do a good job anymore you know like mm-hmm. so it's, yeah well it's the same with it's the same thing with cars you know like with our van uh, it broke down like four times on the tour and we were lucky to be in areas where there was at least one mechanic who had been around long enough that he knew that, these old engines yeah no shit you know yeah. You go to some people and they're like, I've never worked on a carburetor. <laughs> yeah. You know? I've only been on <laughs> yeah, fuel injection my whole life. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, like, I don't know carburetor. I'm like, uh, okay. Like, but luckily we were like always in a place where like somebody has like new this old stuff. So yeah, anybody who's worked with um, old vintage equipment, yeah, they're, they're definitely getting fewer and farther between, you yeah. know, as it goes on. So, uh, yeah, you know, but that's part. I, I let my dad, you know, outside of being a DJ when I was growing up, he, uh, he owned a TV DCR repair business. Oh, and wow. he was into electronics and stuff, too. So that's how I got into it. I learned by fixing, I probably fixed like, I don't know, maybe a thousand VCRs <laughs> <laughs> while I worked in them. I've replaced a lot of belts and cleaned a lot of like VHS tape heads in my day. So, I bet. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was. Oh man, that's funny. That was the thing, yeah. That's so. hilarious. But man, um, no, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you you're doing okay. I'm glad your art is doing. You're doing your you're doing your thing. You're taking your time. You're doing the other stuff, which is the vintage work. Which I'd say, hey, young folks out there, if you don't have a trade, learn how to work on old electronics. Good idea. There's definitely a need for it, you know, and, and especially now, like even VCRs are making a comeback. Yeah. So like. People who want this stuff who are like gonna, you know, yeah. somebody's gonna get a, an old Fender amplifier, an old twin reverb someday who's 
you know, some kid who's 14 now is going to want to get that thing running. That's right. So, uh, you know, they still make tubes. Yes. So thank God. Until today, they don't make tubes anymore. I guess we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> no set, right. But, man, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you so much taking the time and and, and just walking me through the – the history and all the way up to where we are now with you and uh i hope this stuff passes us by real quickly and uh people are able to get back out there and be normal and tour and you know share their art with everyone else and uh is there anything is there anything before you leave that you would like to say any information you'd like to leave anybody who's listening yeah, yeah. i mean if anybody i mean there's really no news right now but you can go to nickvivid.com and uh you know, I'm working on a new record and will be out at some point. And, uh, uh, you know, and when it gets out there, I'll get back on the road and, you know, we'll do this all again. And hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, things get better sooner than later. But, you know, whenever they get better, I'll be out there. So yeah, awesome. Hopefully, hopefully, you can swing, hopefully you can swing through Gainesville. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I totally will. I mean, I'll, I'll be swinging through at some point anyway. So, yeah, yeah I'll definitely... Uh, might as well stop there and play your show, right? So, Seriously. Lots but, of good, good, good yeah. places for shows, for sure. So, but man, Okay, cool. Well, we can chat about that at some point, for sure. Totally, man. Again, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. I appreciate you. I appreciate the art that you've done and all the work that you've put forth into it and helping to continue it. And, uh, again, the best to you and all of you up in New York. And, like I said... When they're done, they're done, and hopefully sooner than later. So, again, I appreciate yeah. your time, and you have a wonderful evening. All right, you soon, everybody. You and everybody out there, stay safe and wear a mask, and be well. <laughs> See you later. You too, man. Take care. Have a good night. All right. Peace. All right, bye.